Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, if you've been a believer for a while and you really want to be more like Jesus, this is a lesson for you. I call it try or trust. Let's get started. 1 John 3, 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, that is Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. Well, to be like him is indeed a glorious promise for every sincere Christian. But the second part of this verse can be, for some, a mystery. That is, just how do we purify ourselves just as he is pure? Understanding this led some desperate folks in the Middle Ages to beat themselves, supposedly into submission to the Spirit, They tried very hard to be pure in this way, even if they had to help God out. If you've studied church history, you may recall that even Martin Luther got caught in this practice. Now, purifying means cleansing and refers to the spiritual cleansing of the heart by faith. When the early church leaders were concerned about all the Gentiles coming into the assembly, Peter stood to address them and reminded them that, quote, God made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. See Acts 15.9. And James wrote, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James 4.8. In other words, do not doubt Have unwavering faith. So, purification for the Christian is indeed a matter of faith. And then there's the notion of sanctification, which is closely related. Fundamentally, this latter term means to set apart to special, usually godly use. And in the Old Testament, it especially pertained in this way to the priests or items in the temple. Well, for example, Leviticus 21, it says, They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the Lord's food offerings. The bread of their God therefore shall be holy. You shall sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. And in the New Testament... The word sanctify is the verb form for the word holy. To make holy gives the idea something that is holy is set apart from common use. It's the idea of becoming more like God who is holy. For example, out of Revelations 4, 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, sanctification is a wonderful principle, but like purification, it can be misunderstood. Now, let me explain. 
the Bible speaks of sanctification in three ways. And it's important you know which way it is being spoken of in, in which passage. These have been described as either past, present, and future sanctification, or as initial, progressive, and ultimate sanctification, or other terms like these. Now, sanctification has a definite beginning. The moment someone has been born anew in Christ, you can refer to Acts 20.32, which says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Or look at 1 Corinthians 6.11, which says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Next, sanctification increases as we mature in our Christian life. You can refer to Romans 6. There's several verses here. I'll read them. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but rather present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. Another good verse, John 17, 17-19 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Here's another one, 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And then there's 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Then next, sanctification is never complete in this life. Sanctification of our souls is complete at death. Refer to the following. 1 John 1.8 Though God sees only his Son in us, 
We experience the problem of sin through our life. It's like the hangover of our fallenness. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Hebrews 12.23 says, Yet at death our souls are instantly in heaven with the spirits of the righteous people made perfect. Again, Hebrews 12.23. Now, our souls are fully sanctified in the presence of God, since nothing unclean, not even mostly clean, can ever stand before him. See Revelations 21, verse 27. Sanctification of our bodies takes place at the Lord's return. Check out Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. At his coming, every Christian will be given their resurrection body that shall fully bear the image of the man of heaven. That's 1 Corinthians 15.49. Now here's the stumbling that many believers need to understand. God, especially the Holy Spirit, is the one who sanctifies us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls us. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Ephesians 5 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, unfortunately, many of us think that it, as with the Jews trying to keep the law, the onus of sanctification falls on us. And so we end up trying to be holy and failing and trying again and again and again. The point of the Sermon on the Mount was that we can't make ourselves holy. Some Christians even walk away from the faith because they think they have to be good enough, holy enough, and they just keep, they keep failing. Listen. You cannot be good enough, holy enough, perfectly sanctified by your own efforts. The good news is that God's got you. If you're born again, Christ is in you, and his Spirit will accomplish all that he has for you. Refer again to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now, having said that, We are given commands that we must heed in order to continue the maturing sanctification process in this life. Refer to 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, 
and Romans 6.19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your initial or your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And Romans 6.22 But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. However, understanding your initial progressive and ultimate sanctification is all the work of God, call on the Lord and trust Him. Don't try, rather trust. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm, and faith to trust Him. Look for our next podcast, and may you realize more of His grace today.